The Introvert's Edge podcast was designed to create a dialogue around introversion, to stimulate a discussion around our disadvantages, how we overcome those disadvantages, and what we consider our introvert's edge. Together, we're finally going to confront the stigma around introversion, showing that we're not second-class citizens. We're just different, and we need to embrace that. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Introverts Edge podcast. I have to admit, I'm ecstatic to introduce our next guest. David Newman is actually a guy I've been following for a very long time, and while somebody that we both know reached out to see if I would interview him, I was ecstatic to get the email. So he's a CSP just like I am, and he has written some amazing books, Do It Marketing, Do It Speaking, and now the one that I'm really excited about, Do It Sales. Now, for those people that are listening, I know that a lot of you follow me because of my book, The Introvert's Edge to Selling. And the thing that I love about this book is he really goes into some practical techniques on sales. And don't worry, he is another introvert that's also teaching sales. So don't worry, all the advice and all the techniques that he's going to give you have worked for him, so they're going to work for you. But without further ado, David, welcome to the show. Matthew, it's great to be here. Thank you so much. Well, as I said in my introduction, I've followed your work for such a long time. And one of the things that I really resonate with your content is that you always focus on authenticity first. And I think for introverts, when they learn tactics and strategies and they hear somebody talking about marketing and you talk about email campaigns and speaking, well, how do I feel authentic? How do I make it not about me? And I think when we start to move into this echelon of sales, the same thing applies, right? We always think that we have to be so salesy and salesy therefore is inauthentic. And I know in your content, you talk a lot about the paralysis that people experience when they're even entering the world of sales. So what I would love for you to do, if it's okay, is share a little bit about what causes this paralysis in your mind and then what you think people should do before they even start to learn sales to break free of the paralysis that they could fall into. There are so many layers to that question. Sources of misinformation, bad information, partial information, bad sales training, and bad sales people that when introverts like us look at the landscape and say, I got to learn how to get clients. I got to learn business development. And maybe they've had some courses. Maybe they've read some books. One of the first things I say in the Do It Selling book There is no one way. There is only your way. And the reason that I think so many of us get overwhelmed and we start to overanalyze and overparalyze ourselves is we literally have all of this information, all of these books and frameworks and philosophies and methodologies, and nothing seems to fit for us. So peeling away all of that external nonsense And understanding that sales, one of the first things I say in the Do It Selling book is, if you don't like the word sales, leave that by the wayside. This is really about invitation to a conversation. And introverts are fantastic and inviting because it's not about us. It's about the person that we're talking to. And then a conversation, if it's your kind of conversation that fits your personality, your preferences, and your strengths where it's a very open, very transparent, very honest conversation. Are we a fit? Are we not a fit? Do you even have these problems that I solve? Do you even want these outcomes that I provide? So one of the things that I think takes a lot of the pressure off our prospects 
and takes a lot of pressure off an introverted sales professional is we're just here to have a chat. We're just here to see if I can somehow support you, serve you, or help you. And the final thing about this, Matthew, is think in terms of a trusted advisor. One of the definitions of a trusted advisor is they hold the client's interest above their own. So if you and me doing business together, of course, that's going to put your credit card into my bank account. But if that's not the best thing for you, I'm not going to invite you in. So another principle in the Do It Selling book is nothing to fear and nothing to hide. Just go in with an invitation to a conversation, check for fit, disqualify early and often, and make sure you're talking to the right person about the right problem for the right reason at the right time, and then let that person buy. I'm a huge believer in buying facilitation. We don't need to cram anything down anyone's throat. Almost all the people we talk to are really smart, really accomplished people. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't want them as clients. And they know that there's a commercial layer to our transaction. And if they want to buy, let them raise their hand. I love that. And I'm always reminded of the original term for sales, which was derived from the Scandinavian term to serve. And if you truly believe in service of your customers, then selling should be something that you do to get people out of their own way. Because customers a lot of times are in their own way and the best service we can provide is getting them out of that. That being said, the problem is that, especially for introverts, and I see this happen often, is that while we say just have a conversation and then it's all about disqualifying, sometimes we see somebody that does have that absolute need for what we do. And then often we will say, well, I don't know, see what you think and get back to me. Because a lot of times we're not prepared to have that right dialogue. And I know in your book, you kind of play with, are we being pushy? If we leave, does no not now mean no not ever? And how we deal with that mentally, but also in process when we're actually with the person. Because I always find that the easiest way to get a sale is to get it when you're in the room. Otherwise you're calling them, I don't mean to bother you, I'm just checking in. And that always is uncomfortable. So where's the line between, okay, if I'm not servicing the client, I should walk away and all the practices that I teach come with a duty of care because it teaches you how to sell effectively, but don't sell something that they don't need. But when they do need it, what would you suggest, David? You're sitting in the room, you've had that great conversation, you've definitely qualified them in as the ideal client, but you can see that, not that they're not gonna buy because I hate using that language, you can see that they're in their own way and your product can serve. What would you recommend at that point to get them to yes now, not I'll talk to you later. Yes, absolutely. Well, there, there are two layers to this, Matthew. I think there's an external layer or a technique layer, and then there's an internal layer about us. The external layer, and this takes a little bit of getting used to, but it's really important, never leave one step or stage of a sales conversation until you've booked and confirmed on their calendar the next touch point, the next decision, the next conversation. That is an external technique. The internal driver for that is think of sales as the initial experience of delivery. So whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you sell, professional services, products, programs, whatever it is, after someone buys from you, you take amazing care of them. You ensure that they implement. You put every structure and every support in place to make sure they're successful. We call this post-sale value. 
I think the introverted sellers that have the most success are the ones that take that post-sale value and put it before the transaction. So now it becomes pre-sale value that I am treating you like a client before you even become a client. Part of what I'm going to do after we engage, so after the check clears the bank, I'm going to get rid of some of your self-soothing delusions. I'm going to get rid of some of your mental blockages and limitations. I'm going to really dig under and share the problem behind the problem or the issue behind the issue. Why would I save that only for after the transaction when I can do that with full integrity and full care and concern for my prospect before they become a client. So one of the sound bites that I have in the Do It Selling book is if you start treating prospects like they're already clients, you will get a lot more clients. So if you've got nothing to fear, nothing to hide, you're, you've already been hired, now we're unpacking what's really going on. And what do they really want to create as an outcome? What is their real problem or what are the symptomatic layers underneath, two or three or four layers underneath that problem? And we do that by questioning. We never tell someone what their problem is because that's both presumptuous and arrogant. We ask a series of investigative journalist questions. Now, who make the best investigative journalists? That's right. You got it. Introverts because they are genuinely curious about the other person. They genuinely want to understand what's going on. They have empathy and they have a conversation that is client-centric and that is designed to give maximum value to the client. Most of us save that for after the credit card or the check clears the bank. I'm suggesting you bring that ethos into your sales process and you will make a lot more sales and you'll have a lot more fun selling too. That's interesting. You know, the number of times you get an introvert and you tell them that they're now a salesperson and then they go and ask questions and the questions they ask no longer because I'm interested because they feel like they have to be someone that they're not. But when you tell them to just ask questions as a coach, all of a sudden they start asking really intelligent questions because the questions have to lead them to an outcome of service, of helping, as opposed to questions that sell. And so I'm really interested in the framework that you follow when it comes to this, because the average introvert is probably sitting there going, yeah, okay, I, like, I have lots of conversations with people and that doesn't lead me to sales. And I do ask them questions, but I always feel like I'm then coaching them and they say, okay, well, let me go and apply all of that and then I'll come back to you. And then they never do. So can you bring this back to more of a methodical methodology for me so that people can see how this kind of comes together? And of course, we're going to talk about price and how to, how to talk about that in a second, but let's assume that the price topic didn't come up. How does this piece together? So the first question, once you're in a prospecting conversation, you've established some interest, they're happy to talk to you, there's some reason for them to connect with you. My first question is, Matthew, for the purpose of our conversation today, would it be okay if I treated you like a fee-paid client? And that immediately, they've never heard that question before, typically. And they will sometimes say, well, sure, but David, what, what does that mean? And my answer is, well, what that means is that we're going to pretend that we're starting our work together and I'm going to make sure that you get maximum value from this conversation. 
which means I will sometimes redirect our conversation to make sure that we're talking about the topics that are of the greatest value to you. And then the second thing it means is I will sometimes tell you what you need to hear and not necessarily what you want to hear. Do I have your permission to do that? And they will almost always say yes. I've never had a client say no. I've never had a prospect say no to that. Then the initial set of questions sounds something like this. So Matthew, pretend we're starting our work together. What's the first thing you would ask me? What's the first thing we would work on? Now here's the difference between consulting on a sales call, which I also agree you should never do. We are not in question answering mode. We are in question collection mode. So when we're collecting the questions, we're literally saying, what's the first thing we would work on? Well, we're having some trouble with our leadership team. Tell me more about that. Well, employee retention is a real challenge for us. We have this culture problem that people are not nice to each other and what, so I'm not answering, I'm not solving. I'm going in, I'm literally collecting a series of questions, problems, pains, heartaches, headaches, gaps, goals, outcomes, dreams, and results. No one's expecting me to answer those deep, thorny questions. So I'm saying, okay, well, great. What's the next thing we would work on? Super. Let's say that is solved. What other problems do you think might be lined up behind that one? Or once we solve that problem, what other problems do you think might come to the surface? And they're just giving you a laundry list of all the things that are missing, funky, broken, and sad. And once you've done that, the key to the sales conversation is not to answer the questions. So here's another soundbite that I think people might resonate with. And I think you've had some experience with this for our folks that are listening. Low-level people, typically, they want their questions answered. High-level people, they want their answers questioned. So they're engaging in a sales conversation to find out what's the missing piece? What am I not seeing? What could somebody with an outside perspective, like a trusted advisor, what are my competitors doing when it comes to this area? What are the trends that I'm not seeing that I could apply from the outside the company to what I'm experiencing that might be helpful? So our job is truly as a consultative educator, but it's not to teach, it's to ask questions and to collect the questions that they have. Everything good by way of a solution or an outcome or a relief to those symptoms, that comes after the sale. So imagine if someone says, well, David, for example, I'd love to hear your best ideas about what we can start to do with retention. You need to deflect that question, but you deflect it with complete integrity by saying, well, we've only been talking for about 17 minutes, Barbara. It would be unprofessional and somewhat unethical for me to give you a prescription before I've even heard the complete diagnosis. So when we work together, this is the suppose, assume the sale, the, the assumptive language. Once we work together and we fully unpack what's really going on, we're going to go through a four-phase process, much like a doctor with a patient, that it's diagnosis, prescription, treatment, outcome. It would be professional malpractice for me after 17 minutes of talking to you to jump to step three and say, Barbara, here's your treatment. So if you don't mind, what I'd love to do is get back to finding out what else is going on to see if we might be a fit to do something together. 
And all of this, this, this language that is uh, tentative to see if we might be a fit to do some work together or not. The or not part of that takes all the pressure off. So now we're having a peer-to-peer conversation. As a consultant, as a trusted advisor, I'm not higher than you. I'm not superior. I'm also not lower than you, and I'm not subservient. So we're having a peer-to-peer conversation about problem, fit, and whether or not it makes sense for us to engage in some commercial exchange where you have a problem, I have a solution, and you hire me to come in and help you solve that problem or get that outcome. I'm on a mission to empower introverts, to be proud of who we are. Introverts have had to deal with the stigma that we just can't be as successful in business or in sales as our extroverted counterparts. We're different and we need to embrace that. I instinctively shied away from sales. I didn't want to be a salesperson. My closing ratio has gone from 15% up to close to 80%. We nearly quadrupled the number of meetings set with clients. Your book was a great revelation to me about me. I've been fortunate to receive some endorsements from some exceptional introverts. They've shared with me how much they resonated with the stories of these real people and how they transformed to being sales masters. It talks about the things that make an introvert successful. Every book was written for extroverts and they're needed to be something for us. Get your copy of The Introvert's Edge today. I love that because the first thing you did was diffuse the conversation from combative. I'm not being sold to anymore. This person's coming around to have a dialogue, which is great. The other thing that I I love about this is, I think it was Richard Branton that said, any idiot can make something sound complicated. It takes an expert to make it sound simple. So the a lot of coaches will hear something and they're like, oh, that's what I've got to sell to. But that's a symptom of a greater cause. And as you said, higher level people, and I love the fact that your book talks about bigger deals and better clients, right? Because better clients know that what they recognize as symptoms, there's a greater cause that they're not understanding. And if you can identify that bigger cause from questioning, they're going to want to hire you to fix that problem. But most people just jump to the selling of that thing because they're trying to make the money where what you've said is we need to figure out what the underlying issue is because that's what we've got to solve. You've got all these symptoms, but you've got this underlying cause and that you built all of that in with indifference of when we work together or if we work together. So there's no skin in the game, which is just this really comfortable way of being practitioner without being the person that gives them the, so here's the regiment that you follow. I think there's two sources, two sources of sales malpractice. One is sharing too much information on a sales call, which is like throwing up or data dumping. Number two is giving advice or solving problems on the sales call, where if you look at it honestly, ethically, and with integrity, you are in no way qualified this early in the game to be giving any kind of advice. So scratch the information. We're not here to give information. We're not here to give advice. What we're here to do is to share insight. The best kind of insight is phrased as a question and it's phrased to stimulate the prospect's thinking so that they know that you're on the same bandwidth and the source of those problems, that's what you're curious about. And if you can solve them, then that might be a conversation for a little bit later during that dialogue about, well, there may be some ways that we can work together. Here's what I'm thinking. 
And then that would be a way to qualify, disqualify, and then move the sales conversation forward. That's great. And the thing that I love about that as well is you're actually creating a bigger pain point, which means they're willing to pay you more as well because you've got this symptom Okay, well, I can jump to that and I can sell that. Well, that's not really an expensive problem for me, where the cause is likely a much more expensive problem. And that's where you, I know you talk a lot about being comfortable and with charging, but also understanding the worth and the value versus the cost equation. And how do you possibly do that if you just touch on the surface level problems without getting to the cause? So I feel like we're now at a point where we can talk about the difficult mindset issues and dialogue that people have when discussing price. What do you feel a lot of introverts would struggle with when talking about price? And what would you recommend for them to keep those worries, concerns, and that authenticity in the right place? Yes, absolutely. One of the primary principles is any number without a context is a number that's too high when you name your price. So we always have to do work in the sales conversation early on to establish the context of value and the contrast of scale. So you give me 1x, I give you 5x or 10x, for example. One of the, one of the key guidelines in the sales conversation is the first number, the first numeric information that should come up in a sales conversation should never be your price. You should be asking to quantify and specify dollars, hours, percentages, cost, investment, profit, margin, revenue, loss, risk. All of these things can be quantified. So if you and I establish by me asking you questions, so we'll go through a very quick, simple example. Hey, Matthew, we're talking about this leadership development program. About how many executives are you thinking of putting into this leadership development program? About 20. Oh, interesting. And did you say these are your mid-level executives and their average salary is about $60,000? No, it's not 60000 These are our high-level executives. These are our mid-senior people that are promotion-ready. They're all making at least $100,000. So now I have a number 20. I have a number 100000 so in my head, I'm thinking, let's see, 20 times that's $2 million. What I would ask the prospect is, so basically this program, we're talking about moving the needle on about $2 million worth of payroll value. Is that right? Yeah, I never thought about it that way, but it is about $2 million of payroll value. And if we were to make these executives, these 20 executives, about 10% more effective, and I'm being super conservative here because usually it's 25 or 30%, but even if we made them 10% more effective, that means that 10% of $2 million is what? I would have them do the math. 10% of $2 million is what? And they would go 200,000. I said, exactly. So it sounds like we're talking about getting a $200,000 ROI on the personal effectiveness and productivity of these 20 executives. Did I get the math right? Yes, I got the math right. So now when your program costs $40,000, they're now thinking 20 times 100K, $2 million, 10% more effective, $200,000 falls to the bottom line. How much do I invest to get that $200,000? 40K. 40K into 200 is a 500% return on investment. If you and I just met on the street, say, hey, David, how much is your super duper leadership development program? Matthew, I got great news. It's only 50 grand. You'd be like, 50 grand? Are you insane? We're not spending 50 grand on this. 
50 grand to deliver 200,000? And I say 200,000 is low. Usually we hit two times that or three times that, but let's be super conservative. Let's just say it's 200K and I ask you for a 40K investment. Suddenly that is the best 40K you're ever gonna spend. Yeah, it becomes a no brainer, doesn't it? And I think that's the, what I always find is salespeople usually don't get enough numbers. That, and business owners especially, because they feel like, who are they to ask those questions? Who are they to understand that? Well, who are you not to? Like you're about to ask them for a check. If you don't know, then going back to what you said originally, if it, you don't qualify them well, you're doing harm, not good. You need to make sure those numbers do stack up in the right direction. Yes. Then authentically, you can say, well, A, it's a no-brainer. And then, so you should be making that decision straight away. And then B, I should feel totally comfortable asking for that business. So what yes. I really like about what you've done is you've highlighted we have some symptom problems, but we have a, a deeper problem. Then we need to really understand what that problem's costing. And I believe that, yes, you've got this, okay, so what is the gain? But you can also look at things like retention. Well, if they don't learn this, what's the chances somebody will leave? And I remember when I was, I was helping Make-A-Wish sell just wishes, $7,500. They were trying to get money out of corporations and we talked about the camaraderie that it would cause. We were like, if it saves you a quarter of a person a year, it's a return on investment. It's probably gonna save you a ton more people leaving. There are some huge numbers that most people just don't recognize. And so yes. what I love about this is you've really highlighted that you need to pull off the Band-Aid and just start asking questions. But the thing that actually had never occurred to me, which I really love about what you've done, is you're actually getting the customer to answer. So they can't question the math because they've done the math. And I think that's really powerful because if they object, an introvert would naturally get to this defensive place of, well, hang on a second, now they're defending their numbers, where it's almost impossible to have to, well, you never have to defend somebody else's numbers. They've said it. Clients never argue with their own data. That's powerful. And, and I think that's, that's the mic drop we needed for the end of the interview, right? So. One of the things that I really want people to take from this is that what I just saw you do, it was step-by-step -step process driven. It was almost mechanical in nature. And that's what I see in every introvert that's just killing it in the world of sales. And I know that you speak from stage and I know you work on a ton of things in marketing. As a matter of fact, I'm a massive fan of your emails. And everything that you do is methodical. And you can always count on the same mechanics to work every time. And I think that's what a lot of people lack when it comes to, to, to sales, which what rises the key performers to, to the top. But forgetting about what I think for a second, if you're talking, imagine, I mean, you're talking to a whole bunch of introverts that believe that they may, they may now believe, hopefully if I've done my job right, they may believe that they can sell. But there are a lot of people that are overwhelmed with what's the first step? Okay, do I learn how to price? Do I learn how to ask questions? Do I, do, what do I do first? If you were somebody that was listening that was in that piece of, of, in that place, what parting advice would you leave them? I think where you start is really based on where you feel, like think about a sales process from end to end. If you're okay with step one, you're okay with step two, but oh, step three, work on where you have that uh-oh reaction. W work where you start to go, uh-oh, they're not gonna like me. This isn't gonna work. I'm gonna come across as pushy. I'm gonna come across as salesy. So some introverts, by the way, are totally beautiful all the way until it comes to negotiating or all the way until that first numerical conversation that we talked about. Some people, if they don't have a good 
lead generation approach, they might be stuck at the very beginning. So think about the sales process and where are things okay up until, and wherever that up until moment is, if you unblocked that and you could sail straight through, that's the part to work on first. That's good advice. And then remember back to what David's advice for everyone listening was originally, there's always two problems to solve, the mindset problem and then the system problem, right? So you have to work out, is it your mindset in the way or is it the strategy that you're using in the way? And mindset I would recommend highly would come first. But for those listening, David, I warned you about this question that I ask at the end of every one of my interviews in advance, just like I would for any introvert because we wanna make sure that people have the opportunity to reflect. But you know I'm sick of people talking about introversion like it's a disadvantage, and I believe it's one of my biggest strengths, especially a lot of the core elements that most people see as disadvantages, I see them as the reasons for my success. And I'd, I'd love to know, what do you think your introvert's edge is? My introvert's edge is parallel processing. So, so we always talk about in a communications situation, in a conversation, don't think about what you're going to say next. Be completely open and listen. And I think that's bad advice. My superpower is I can completely listen to you. And there's a separate track in my head that is analyzing, asking questions, and I'm jotting notes. So I'm fully present in our conversation. But I always have this little post-it note next to me. And I can take a thought that's on track number two or my next question or something that, that doesn't make sense or I want to investigate further. I write it down and then I'm right back on track one with you. And then you'll say something else and then I jot that down. So I'm literally listening and thinking at the same time. And I could repeat back to you a sentence from three sentences ago and I have no problem. I'm totally present with you, but I'm also listening for in incongruity or something interesting that I want to follow up on or something that I want to make sure that we establish what that means or something where I get to use my favorite magic question, which is, can you put a number on it? Our retention is really terrible. Well, when you say really terrible, can you put a number on it? Can you put a number on it? It's a beautiful question throughout every sales conversation. But to answer the question, parallel processing is my introvert's edge. Amazing. And you know what I what I love about that is you, you're kind of utilizing two most commonly known introverted techniques of active listening and also reflection. You're just reflecting as you're hearing at, yes. at the same time. So a lot of introverts that are listening that complain about getting stuck in their head trying to work out what to say, that's because you're trying to say something as opposed to actually asking questions or being more inquisitive. What I what I'm hearing, David, and please tell me if I'm getting this wrong, is you're actually active listening to a point where you're actually inquisitive about what they're already saying. So you're actually trying to get a, you're parallel processing where you're trying to actually obtain deeper understanding as opposed to what to say next. Would that be a fair statement? Totally right. So I'm, ha I'm having the sales conversation and in my own head, I'm having the conversation about the conversation. That's brilliant. So that lets me be fully present and then come back with something surprising or insightful or valuable based on what they said, not based on my agenda, because I come into this with really no agenda other than to find out the truth of what's really going on. And I think every good investigative journalist has that same parallel track where, yes, they're listening to the person they're interviewing. So 
So Oprah or 60 Minutes or name your favorite investigative journalist. But they're also in their head, they're having the conversation about the conversation that's happening in real time. Yeah, I think that's valuable. And I think you're able to do that because you're not trying to sell. You're, you've, you've said, Let, let's treat you as a client. So because of that, that stress is, has dissipated. And because of that, you're really just playing practitioner in a lot of ways. You're just doing it differently as you've, as you've highlighted already. So that's, that's amazing advice, David. I so appreciate you sharing that. For, for people that are really just discovering your work and, or perhaps have discovered it, but when that extrovert's not going to teach me anything and now I've realized you're an introvert, where do you suggest that people find out more about you? So the best place to go for all of the do-it-selling book and methodology and there's videos and companion tools and downloads is doitselling.com. Doitselling.com is the book and all the free downloads that you get when you get the book. And we also have a free 37-page PDF manifesto. That's at doitmarketing.com slash manifesto. Our main website that has a podcast and a blog and all kinds of other resources is simply doitmarketing.com. Terrific. Well, look, David, I am honored to have you on my show, mate. I appreciate you joining us. And for those people that are just figuring out that David's got something to say, or as I said, just opened your mind to the fact that this is an introvert that you can listen to, I want you to know that his work has been consistent. And for a lot of people that are out in the world, their work isn't. They show up for a couple of weeks and then they disappear, or they're a big deal for a period of time. You know, David is, is a CSP, which is, means he speaks a lot and he's done it for a long time, but also his work's been out for a long time. He's got three very, you know, well, two, now three terrific books. And I, I would really recommend that people check out, check out his work. I know I have, and I'm looking forward to reading the new one when it comes out. But thank you for joining again today. And for everyone, thank you again for joining the Introverts Edge podcast. I look forward to seeing you all in the next one. Cheers. I'm Matthew Pollard, the author of The Introvert's Edge to Networking. I'm on a mission to help introverts to be proud of who we are. For the first time, you'll learn a process for networking that feels comfortable and authentic to you as an introvert. A process that doesn't feel salesy or awkward in any way. I saw at least half of my board members, three in particular that I can think of, that now are so comfortable in literally going up to people at events. All of a sudden, I can see the confidence. Most of the networking books and literature out there really focus on hardcore tactics designed for extroverts. As introverts, we're different and we need to embrace that. We need a system that allows us to channel our natural introverted strengths into the networking room. You will learn how to be successful at face-to-face -face networking and a masterful online networker on your terms. It's beautifully written and it provides tremendous value. So I, I, I am honored to, to say, folks, if you haven't looked at the book, you really need to check out this guy's book. It's, it's excellent. It gives you that confidence to truly be yourself, knowing that you're going to be presenting yourself in a way that is authentic and will also really resonate with the person that you're talking with. One of the things you'll love about the Introvert's Edge to networking is it's jam-packed full of more than 20 stories of introverts just like you. People that have likely started in much tougher spots than where you are right now and how they've leveraged the strategies that you'll be learning to obtain phenomenal career and small business success. I was about to give up on my business. The results started coming in right away. In fact, a year later, the Chamber of Commerce awarded me the business of the year. <laughs> you need to go read his book because everything he does is what people need whether they're an introvert or not.
I've been fortunate to receive endorsements from some exceptional introverts like Neil Patel and Ivan Meisner, the founder of the world's largest networking group, BNI. What I love about the Introvert's Edge is that it talks about the things that make an introvert successful. The Introvert's Edge to networking is going to destroy all of the barriers that you have around whether success in networking is possible for you. Now I'm up to kind of five figures you know, tripled my prices or more. It was like the deals just kept coming in and coming in. And it, I mean, it was incredible. Like I had never seen anything like it before. I was able to triple my revenue and that's happened within six months. We've gone from 10 million a year to 20 million a year. I wrote the Introvert's Edge to networking after the success of the first in the Introvert's Edge series, which focused on sales. I decided that it was just as important, perhaps even more so, that we had a networking book that was designed to help us as introverts dominate in the networking room and in online networking that was specifically written for us. So if you're an introvert, don't delay. Head to theintrovertsedge.com forward slash networking to get access to the first chapter of my new book completely for free today.